Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. And I would like to call the attention of all alumni, that's anyone who has attended Indiana Bible College at any time in its history, whether in Seymour or here in Indianapolis. If you are an Indiana Bible College alumni, we want your opinion. You can find us on the Indiana Bible College Alumni and Associates Facebook page, and we want to hear where you're at in ministry, what you're doing, how God is blessing. So make sure that you're a part of the Indiana Bible College Alumni and Associates Facebook page so that we can hear directly from you. We love connecting with our alumni. Another thing that we think you're going to love is our sermon today preached by Reverend Bobby Kilman, Dean of Biblical Studies, certainly no stranger to the Indiana Bible College podcast. In fact, one person wrote in our reviews, more Brother Kilman, please. So this is for you, more Brother Kilman here. Brother Kilman Preaching Chapel A message entitled, People Are Not Who They Always Were. Enjoy. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I remember when I was dating Amy, the Stone Age. Jay, Jay was just a little guy. Now I'm looking up to him. Joel wants one thing in life. He wants to be five foot eleven so he can be taller than me. I'm praying against it. Amen. I just want to say, let me echo. It's great to have my good friends, great leaders, great voices. Uh, one of the one of the most committed uh, to apostolic truth. Uh, um, Friends I know, uh, Brother and Sister Dibble, we love you very, very, very much. And thank you for your voice in the movement and what God is doing through your life and ministry. And uh, you're going to get to hear from them at some point. So I'll resist the urge to say too much, maybe save some of those expressions for there. And I just want to say, I know he's, I know you're my nephew, but man, I am so glad, Brother uh, Turner, that you're here. Uh, There is a reality that comes from uh, the context of ministry and... um, you have to absorb it yourself. You all are in a unique position to learn, to glean, to grow. And if you do, if you take advantage of, of being raised underneath someone like maybe a Paul Mooney and you absorb the truth and the, uh, his, uh, you, you will grow and that will create opportunities. If you don't, if you foot away your time, uh, you're going to arrive at moments with heartache as somebody else has picked over you because a wise servant will be exalted above a son that causes shame. Okay, it was all free. I want to move to the word of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me this morning. I, I'm going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 15. I'll read two verses of scripture. Then I'll give you my weird title. I'm just going to say it to you in the rawest form, in the way that God kind of spoke it to me. Uh, It's not a great title, but it's just the way the Lord spoke it to me. It helped me. Maybe you could think of a better title and come help talk to me about it. I want to preach a little bit. I'm going to go slow on people are not who they always were. 
2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 30 and 31. And David went up by ascent uh, of Mount Olivet and, and wept as he went up. And he had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head. And they went up, weeping as they went up. And one told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray thee, turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. People are not who they always were. Now, I, I, I know it's an odd text. I, I really wanted to do this, but I kind of repented of it this morning as I was out there praying again in the truck as I arrived at IBC. I wanted to get a bunch of old pictures of staff members. I, I wanted to show you pictures of Chris Henderson while he was a student. Then I remembered I'd have to also pop up my student picture in my teal blue uh, Brother Dibble, I had a, a, a European cut, half cut, double-breasted purple suit. It was the 80s, what can I say? Oh, you were there. It's terrible. Sister. Don't tell on me too much. But I had a teal blue suit. Not only did I have a teal blue suit, I had a teal blue suit that had the same fabric made for the tie. Because I was styling and profiling. God help us. People are not who they always were. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, what does that mean? People can change. I, I want to preach something today. I, I, I thought I'm going to preach this to your future, and I felt a little check by, from the Lord, and, and I know that I'm not preaching to your future. Some, in, in, in a sense, I'm preaching to some of you, I'm going to preach to you right now. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to preach, I believe, to most of you, an issue that you have faced in your past already, or maybe you're currently going through, and then I do want to say something to your future. I, I love this passage of scripture, not because it's pretty, but because it's real. And if you're going to be in ministry, you have to be real. And the Bible says that, that, that this context of the passage is when, when David's son Absalom is rebelling against him. Not because uh, he's the rightful king, but because of out of desire and out of ambition and because of carnality. This, this young man is leading a rebellion against uh, his father. And the Bible says that, that David knows this. He goes out weeping. He's weeping for his son. He's weeping for the people. He's weeping for the state that things are in. And as he goes out, the Bible says this wonderful little passage discloses Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. Now you have to know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 20, or sorry, 1 Chronicles 27, 33, the Bible says, and Ahithophel was the king's counselor. Somebody close to David. Somebody that was a, a very, very close friend. You can look at the context of this on your own. You'll find out that they were, David and Ahithophel, were, they rose, they rise together. They, they work together. They had all of these moments where he was his counselor, his advisee. And the Bible says that Hushai, the archite, was the king's companion. And, and it's good to be a companion, Brother Turner, but there's something different about having a counselor. 
He had a unique uh, uh, relationship with David. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 15 to 23, it says, And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. And it came to pass when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, that Hushai said to Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. Now you got to like Hushai a little bit here because he's being, he's being tactful. He's sent back and David says, go back, perhaps the Lord will use you to help me in this rebellion. So Hushai is saying, God save the king, God save the king. But underneath his breath, it's like a mumble, not you, Absalom. The Lord begins to help David in this process. And, and I'll just, I'll, I just want to read a little bit and then we're going to dive into the text. I'm going to be aware of the time. But if you'll allow me, I, want to, I think I want to help you today. And the Bible says, And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this the kindness to thy friend that thou winnest? Uh, winnest why winnest thou not with thy friend? Why didn't you go with him? If it, isn't David your close friend, Hushai? Isn't he your companion? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the, Lord, whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. Absalom is so blind by his own ego, he doesn't even see that Hushai is speaking of David. And again, whom should I serve? Should I serve in the presence of, should I not serve in the presence of his son? He's going to do that with Solomon. And I have served in thy father's presence, so will I be in thy presence. I'm going to serve you too, but not in the way that you think. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, give counsel unto me what you, we shall do. And Ahithophel, said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and, and all Israel shall hear it, that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. Burn all the bridges with your dad, and then people will know that you're truly going to be against him. Because if they side with you now, what if you reconcile? All the conspirators will be destroyed and killed, and you and your dad will be okay. But if you go in and you sleep with all of his concubines, then they'll know he's never going back. The Bible says that, so they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as, it wasn't the voice of God, but it was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and Absalom. So here's what I want you to think about today. How could such a godly man a man with a tremendous reputation that if you could get a counsel with a hippophel, how is it that this godly man would join a vain and rebellious leader against God's anointed? Well, the only way to know that is by going back and reading some of those portions of the bread program you hate. The genealogies. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 34 says... Uh, Eliphalet, the son of Ashbahai, the son of the Machathite, and Elam, the son of Ahithophel. So 
Ahithophel's son, Brother Turner, was Eliam. You go to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 3, the Bible says, And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And what you can miss is Ahithophel's son is Eliam. And Eliam, you ready, is, is the daughter of, his daughter's name is Bathsheba. So Ahithophel, Bathsheba, is, is his granddaughter. I can imagine that he was there when the announcement was made. We're going to have a baby, Pop. You're going to be a granddad. It's going to be a great occasion. I can imagine as he watched that young lady grow up and begin to, to, to grow in stature and beauty. And she marries a godly man, Uriah the Hittite. And he's a, he's a good man. He's a godly man. He's a man of such character that he won't take uh, advantage of certain opportunities when his brethren are, are out to war. He won't even do those type of things. He has such character. What a godly man. What a marriage to support and what a marriage to celebrate. Not only that, he's, he's such a man of character. I, I imagine the news when he runs in one day and he says, Hey, Grandpa, hey, did you know that, that your grandson, he's, he's been picked as one of David's mighty men. He's raised to such prominence. The touch of God is on him. He's a man of war. He fights for the right thing. Not only is he a man of character, he's a man of battle. But we know this story, how David's sin with Bathsheba's granddad. And, and, and his own Joab come, David, don't do this. This is your good friend's granddaughter. And then not only does he sleep with his, one of his best friend's granddaughter, he mur murders the grandson. And this is how you can see how a godly man begins to descend through the path of bitterness. There's a principle in this text they, Ahithophel knew it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't kept secret. The Lord disclosed it, and he arranged the murder of Uriah the Hittite. And, and there's two different agendas that are united. One, one in Absalom out of, out of uh, probably that, that issue with his sister that David never dealt with. And, and then you got Ahithophel uh, bringing his carriage alongside because there's a principle in life and in ministry you need to know that bitterness is a powerful unifying force in life and in ministry, but it's always dangerous and it's always destructive. Now, I, when I was talking, I said, God, Brother Ferguson, I said, God, I just, maybe I'm preaching to their future, but I already know, I felt the check this morning, some of you have already been hurt. Some of you have already been wronged, so I'm trying to save you from going down a path that will destroy you. 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 24, and the Bible said, Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give counsel what, you, uh, what, what we should do. And there, I'm going to give you an observation, because now that, that Absalom is king, he's only good at rebellions. He doesn't even know what to do. He doesn't have the character or the wisdom or the gifting to lead as a king when he gets there. And the Bible says in verse 24, And Ahithophel said, Go in. To your father's concubines, David shouldn't have had them. 
But he's left them there for the house because David never dreamed his son would go in and commit such sacrilege. And, and then all of the hands of the, of the Israelites will be strong and, and they'll be with you because they know you've burnt the bridge. And the character of Absalom and Ahithophel is shown right here because Ahithophel is advocating the same thing done to his granddaughter. Take advantage of her. And Absalom acts out ten times the sin that was committed against his own sister. See, here's the danger of bitterness. The Bible says, Paul writing in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, now you need to underline this in your heart today. Avenge not yourselves. You need to pray, God, deliver me from the, from the, 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 the temptation, the lust of self-vindication. Let the Lord vindicate you. The, he, he, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Why does God say that? I'm going to help you today. You cannot control bitterness. It will always go way beyond what you intend. And Ahithophel is one of the greatest counselors in Israel's history. He has tremendous influence. He has an earned reputation among God's people. And he's going to throw it all away to express his bitterness. It's fascinating to me, Brother Turner. There's, there's no Psalm 51 or Psalm 32 for Ahithophel or Absalom. That's, that's the Psalms of repentance that David went and sang publicly. He sinned openly, so he sang about it publicly. I have wronged him. I've, I've wronged God. I've wronged people. And I'm sorry. I'm contrite about it. And see, that's the problem. Absalom's going to be dead. Ahithophel will commit suicide, and 20,000 young men will die because of his counsel. Why? Because there was no repentance. He wouldn't acknowledge the repentance in David. He instead harbored that hurt, and that hurt turned into anger, and anger turned into bitterness, and then he took God's vengeance in his own hands. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, 15 says, Look diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. How can I fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled? 20,000 are going to die, Ahithophel, and you will mar your legacy to express your vengeance. And God had given you a gift and a legacy, and you were a leader, and you threw it all away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to land quick today. Ahithophel's advice, what did he say to Absalom? You need to attack in this momentum, and it was great advice. If he had just listened, Brother Drew, he would have won the victory. But Ahithophel said, give me 12,000 men, David, and I'll kill him. You give me 12,000 men right now, I'll go out myself. Give me 20 times his number. Now, somewhere in there is a latent statement about David's power for war. And a reluctant praise, maybe even as, as Ahithophel knows who he is. He doesn't want power. He doesn't want position. He doesn't want authority. He just wants David dead. And Absalom is being dragged into this expression of personal bitterness. But God sent Hushai. 
And he appeals to Absalom's pride. Well, you know, David's fired up. All of his men are angry. And man, you don't want to be like a bear robbed of her cubs. You're going to go out there and man, you know the reputation of your dad and his, his mighty men. You know, you get, what you really need to do is you need to gather all the tribes from, from, band to Dar, uh, from, from Dan to Beersheba. Grab, gather all Israel to you and, and you need to lead it yourself, Absalom. So you can get the glory. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 14, 25, but in all Israel there was none, <coughs> excuse me, to be praised as much as Absalom for his beauty. From the sole of his foot even to the crown of the head, there was no blemish in him. I remember Joel, forgive me, dude. Uh, I remember Joel was a young guy. He walked in from Children's Church and, and I hassled him, uh, Brother Dibble, since the day he was born. Pay for the psychology later. I'll leave. I apologize to his wife in advance. I said, what'd you learn in Sunday school today, dude? About Samson. That ain't gonna fly. I never leave it alone. I'm like, no, no, no. You had to say more than that. What did you learn about Samson? And then he said something. He said, he's just a little, little dude, man. And he said, well, he was strong on the outside, but he wasn't very strong on the inside. I thought, man, Samson. Some Sunday school teacher did their job today. Aren't you glad for a church? And if that's true, then it's same as true of Absalom. He looked good on the outside, but he was pitifully weak on the inside. You be careful what you attach yourself to. Because you can look on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Men of low character end up being weak and they're manipulatable. Praise, ego, ego, and all of that thing inside of, of Absalom allows him to be manipulated. And, and the Bible teaches us that Hushai kept his integrity by stating the truth in a particular way. Absalom was blinded by his own ego, and we see God's providence for David at work. 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 14. The Bible says it. And Absalom and all of the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. And then you get this statement. For the Lord had appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Unforgiveness led to bitterness, bitterness to ungodly counsel and ungodly counsel. They end up trying to murder God's anointed. And Ahithophel dies. He sees the weakness in that leader that he connected himself to. And Brother Turner, instead of, instead of publicly repenting, he commits suicide. Why Ahithophel? Because he saw his own demise coming and was unable to see forgiveness as a possibility because he will never give it to anybody else. The Bible says he set his house in order. He hung himself. See, what's the problem with all of this? See, it's David's true repentance. Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, those public psalms, he's saying, he wasn't just going through motions. How do you know, Brother Kilman? Because he has concubines and multiple wives and he committed adultery and that's stupid and wrong. But he never multiplies wives again and he never committed adultery again. He truly repented from sin. And so why does God say to you, 
to me. Vengeance is mine and I will repay, saith the Lord. Because only he knows the heart. How do you know Christ is our example? Father, forgive them. While he's on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He forgave Peter who denied him vehemently with cursing. He forgave the cowering disciples that ran and left him to face it alone. The ones who couldn't even watch with him one hour in prayer. What are you saying, Brother Kilmer? You have to learn to forgive because that's the ground on which we all stand. The Bible says, forgive that ye may be forgiven. Music will come and start just maybe playing a little bit. Matthew chapter 18 verse 22. Jesus saith unto him, Peter, I say not unto thee. You don't just get to forgive somebody seven times in one day. Until seven times, no, 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 but 70 times seven, 490 times a day, Peter. But Jesus, why should I forgive like that? Because you're going to need it, Peter. Because at some point, you're going to believe that you're not even forgivable. And I'm going to have to say, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because he doesn't even think he's a disciple anymore. And you're ready, that fruit, that rich fruit of forgiveness is going to spring forth in your life if you make sure that the root is right now. But if your root is bitterness, it's not going to help you. I'm going to be a little vulnerable tonight. I know I run the risk of, and none of you know the people. They were good. Brother Dibble, they were good, godly people. They were just human beings like me. I grew up as a young man in church. I was about to go into my freshman year of high school. And, and I, I loved my mom and pop. They were heavily involved in the church work all their life. And, and I, I remember there was just issues, issues. It's kind of like a church. We make fun of the children of Israel for murmuring and complaining. And we forget we just did that in prayer. That it's modeled in the Psalms because God knows our weakness that we need to bring to him. So there were some attacks that came against leadership. And, and, you know, they weren't evil people. Hear me, they weren't evil people. They were just weak people. And I I remember as a young man being furious, angry. My dad is a wonderful man. He will witness to you in a heartbeat. He's a, a tremendous communicator and probably the best evangelist I know. He can bring more people to church. He can talk to a stump and get it to church. There's about eight people sitting on the seats of Calvary Tabernacle that he's won in the last three or four years to the Lord. He's got zeal. Sometimes it gets him in trouble, though, like the Apostle Peter. But my mother is one of the most Christian people I know. She has a fault that's given too much. It's absorbing hits when she should. It's all right, Rev. Human. But I remember, Brother Turner, people began to talk about my family. And especially, it was especially hurtful to me because they were talking about my mother. They lied, just manipulated, just weak people. And I remember I, I was there and I, I, I got a stumbling block. Or 
tonight. And I, I'm, not, I'm not minimizing the hurt that you've faced. I'm not minimizing the wrong that's coming into your life. It, it was wrong. But I began to harbor bitterness and then because of my own lust and going into high school, I was a distance from God because of my own anger and bitterness and resentment and that distance allowed me to really easily yield to my flesh. I was backslidden for about a year and a half and I remember there was a just tremendous thing that the Lord did. He, a man came in, he was used in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not talking about weird. But walk back and you know that whole he read my mail thing wasn't fake. I didn't have to wait. I, what He didn't call. He wasn't practicing. Forget all that nonsense about practicing. When it's from God, it'll be right. And I remember I, I, I got back in church, Brother Dibble, and I'm sitting in the service and I'm, I'm just like, I was raised on the pew, Lord. I felt like I spit in his face and walked out. I had privilege, I had opportunity. And how could I treat God that way? I was repentant. And the Lord spoke to me in a moment. He said to me, because uh, I was looking around at all these wonderful people, human people. And he said, you wanted me to judge those people, didn't you? Yeah, sure did, Lord. He said, if I was that kind of God, you would have never made it home. Because, you ready? Let me just say it to you. People are not who they always were. So it's hard. It's hard. Now, I know some of you are going to leave. You're going to have opportunity. I'm not impressed by people that sell their gifts. And through ego and through manipulation, the desire to have a big name, I'm not, I don't even sweat that anymore. I'm not even trying to reach people like that today. But you're going to have temptations through opportunity, but it's harder when you have excuses because of real hurts. And if rebellion has destroyed more ministries before they ever really got started, I wonder how many bitterness has stopped from finishing well. Why is this in the Bible, Brother Kilman? Because it's one of the greatest dangers of ministry in life, and you're kidding yourself if you don't think you're going to be tempted by it. Now stand with me. I'm, I'm closing, I promise. I want to do a little work here. Let me, give you, let me give you three little points. First of all, number one, David sinned. Never, 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 you don't have to minimize the fact that people were wrong. David sinned. He was responsible. He was a stumbling block for many. So I'm not minimizing his sin. Number two, here's the problem though. You have to understand that stumbling blocks will come in this falling world, in this fallen world. And you're going to have many, 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 many times you're going to be hurt. You better decide right now what you're going to do. And then number three, nursing hurts instead of giving them to God and forgiving others will destroy us. See, I, I feel like I have to say this today. Don't expect too much. False expectations is where a lot of hurt comes from. 
So to expect too much of God's people is to have a weak, sentimental view of life. And that softness ends in bitterness. What are you saying, Brother Kilman? Part of the cure against the real temptation of bitterness is this. Acknowledging that you're dealing with human people. It's not an excuse to sin, but you're human too, and you're going to need forgiveness. So when they do it, when they sin, forgive. You're ministering to the real condition of human beings. But also remember, you're ministering from the condition of being a human being. We're going to go over today and we're going to be with that wonderful good man, Brother Rodenbush, today. I'm going to quote him, one of the greatest things I've ever heard him say. He said, Brother Kilman, none of us are smart enough to be right all the time. But the more we mature, we can become more right most of the time. How many of you have ever been wrong? Then no. You ready? You got to forgive. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head. See, I, I know some of you have been hurt right now. I know some of you have been hurt. Don't expect too much from human beings. They're human. And part of that is to say, I'm a human being too. And if you can get that understanding in you right now that that's the ground on which we all stand, it will help you deal with the humanness of the church. You'll read the book of Acts and you'll go, wow, that doesn't just sound like my church. That sounds like me. When Paul and Barnabas get in a fight over a young preacher and they separate company, we're just reminded again in the revelation of the Lord, forgive, forgive. So I, I, I want to ask you, I know this is a hard, a hard place to end. <clears throat> Probably this sermon is not about what you do in the next few moments. But some of you may, may need to take an hour, two hours and get alone with God and say, Lord, I know this root is in me. And it's maybe anger now and it's hurt now, but I just, I got to get it out now, Lord. I got to get it out now, Lord, before it turns into a root of something else that I can't yank out of my spirit. Help me to love Jesus as you loved so that I can be free to minister to the church that is weak. Come right there where you're at. Would you just begin to pray, Lord? Help us today. God, I thank you thankful I'm not who I was and I know there's still weakness in me Jesus I'm thankful that you've given me grace and mercy and opportunity to grow and when I've bungled it Lord you've helped me pick up the pieces help me to have compassion the same compassion necessary for me to be saved and to grow help me to have that same compassion for others 
Come on, we have, we have compassion for sinners most of the time, compassion for saints some of the time, compassion for other ministers and fellow Bible college students hardly ever. If you're not perfect, I can't love you. Are you lovable? Are you perfect? Have you never sinned? Perfection means I have nothing left to repent of. So how many of you are glad for grace? So right there where you're at, just say, Lord, help me to have grace for your people. right in your own way just begin to cry out to the Lord God search my heart search my heart oh God for things that I need to forgive others of this altar's open if you'd like to respond however you feel to respond right now we're just going to have a time to let this this word that we heard settle into our heart settle into our spirit however you feel to respond right now Maybe you need forgiveness from God today or maybe you need to forgive others. Just take some time right now to examine your heart. Look at your heart. Say, God, I need you to help me. I need you to talk to me right now.